Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. What? here on the program moving forward and that would be reed mouse gentlemen good morning good morning tom happy to be a part of the show today well um already hiccups no no we're, we're good we're good we're on now we're good we're good <laughs> no i'm saying i'm hearing that delay oh god so here we go all right hold on how about now um we're good we're good. Wow. Wow. Look, look at that. Wow. Look at that. Wow. I learned my Flipping lesson. Flipping coins over there. Hit the right <laughs> button. Very nice. <laughs> We're good. Paul, do you feel pressure sitting in that seat? Because, you know, normally you're over there where Reed is today. And, you know, you're doing your thing. And you're able to look up stuff. And you're able to, you know, type in stuff and everything. But when you're sitting in this seat, it's a different seat to sit in. Right? Yeah, there's no laptop in front of me today. We're just we're just making sure all of these uh, buttons and sliders and graphics and everything else are up and good. But Reed's got it over here, and uh, I think we're all good to go. Okay, we've got lots on. going on here today. We've got lots going on, and we'll tell you more about that here in a second. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time. You can check us out on YouTube. Thousands of you already joining us in the chat. Uh, that's on the Chatterbox Sports page. Are we back on Facebook or still off? I don't believe we're on Facebook okay, today. We've been having some technical issues with them most of the time. You know what? On. We might be on Facebook today. Uh, well, we are. We are. Hi, Facebook. Nice to see you. <laughs> I, I'm going to stay away from the comment I was about to make. I, I will totally leave it alone. We're in a very good mood. It's a beautiful Friday here. It's a big weekend. I'm getting myself ready for a very late, late, late night tonight. This is like back in, you know, college days. It's going to be one of those nights. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I want to turn off the lights kind of like just what happened on the show, and then they're going to come back up. It's our son's senior prom tonight. Mm. So you got to be up very, very late to make sure everybody's home safe and sound. Good Lord will. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, and you're dialed in. Luke Weaver didn't start out too well. In fact, he looked like the guy he was replacing in the red starting rotation, Connor Overton, at least in the first inning when he allowed four runs. But to Mr. Weaver's credit, he quickly got things together, gave the team five more innings of scoreless baseball, gave the bullpen a much-needed break, while at the same time giving his lifeless offense a chance to come back and win the game. It didn't happen. The Reds managed to break their scoreless inning streak at 24. They got three runs over the seventh and eighth innings, but not enough. 4-3 loss. The Reds are 7-12. The surprising Pirates are 13-7. And, and it's interesting to note that 13 of their 20 games have been on the road. So 13-7 for the Buckos, trailing red-hot Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee wins every night. That's a game-and-a-half lead for the Brew Crew. And your Cubbies dropped one last night, Reed Mouse. Fell out of second place to third. It was a good game. 
Gave up a grand slam in the ninth inning. Tough. I'm how, how is that a good game if you lose on a grand slam in the ninth? Because it was a fun game to watch. That's how. They lost to the Dodgers? The Dodgers, yep. Okay. Well, Dodgers are a good team. They haven't played that great so far, but they're a good team. Game two of the Red Series in Pittsburgh tonight. Graham Ashcraft will oppose the Pirates' best starter so far this year. Ashcraft has been the best for the Reds. Keller, Mitch Keller, the best for the Pirates. First pitch at 635, Paul, as we like to say, at PNC Park. Tickets are available. Yes, they are. Our boy, Sir Boy Wonder, is there. Yes. Big league. I mean, he's got this big highfalutin job paying that high rent. Maybe he owns a house. I don't know. In uh, Oakley. That's a lot of your crowd over there. Young, yuppies, right? Yeah. Oakley. Oakley. I don't know, Tom. That's an east side. You're on the east side. We're west siders over here. We're on the west side of I-75. You're over there on the east side. Hamilton is not considered west side. What side of I-75? It is a west side of 75. I make that drive here. I'm well aware of it. But this is not considered to be west side. West side is Elder and LaSalle and, you know, all that over there. Hamilton Baden ain't looked at as west side. I don't know. Might be west side of Hamilton. Well, that's true, too. All it right. is on the west fair side. Enough. All right. All right. That's fair. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. returned to the big leagues last night. First time in over 560 days. The Padres star went 0 for 5 at his debut uh, last night out in Arizona. Padres won that game. Tatis, you may remember, was hurt to start last season, then was suspended for PEDs. Max Scherzer was suspended by Major League Baseball for 10 games. After being ejected two nights ago for having too much rosin on his glove, Scherzer said he thought about appealing, decided not to, serve it up, move on. NBA James Harden said it was quote-unquote unacceptable that he was charged with a flagrant two foul and thus ejected last night in Philadelphia's win over Brooklyn. Philly leads at best of 7-3 to none. Did either one of you see that? I did not watch the game. Uh, I... Only saw what happened. I didn't watch the game. Did you think it was a, a fair call? Nah. I mean, he said it was like, come on, right? Yeah, it Never was. Never been ejected from a game. No. If I, I can, I'll pull it up here in just a minute once I make sure that the stream strength is good. All right. All right. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, meanwhile, was out with a knee sprain for the L.A. Clippers, and their hopes of beating Phoenix took a major hit. The Suns get 45 from Devin Booker in a 129-124. That game was in L.A. Suns now lead that series two games to one, and no one quite sure if Leonard is back for game four. Steph Curry, 36 for Golden State in a 114-97 win over Sacramento. The defending NBA champs played without suspended star Draymond Green. He'll be back for game four. Sacramento leads that series two games to one. Tonight, Boston in Atlanta. Trying to go up 3-0. Cleveland in the Knicks are tied at 1-1. That series goes to Madison Square Garden. And Denver plays in Minnesota, leading that series two games to none. Winners in the NHL last night. The playoffs underway. The Rangers are just completely dismantling the heavily favored New Jersey Devils. Toronto, Colorado, and Las Vegas all even their series last night. At a game apiece. Now, coming up on the show today, we have Howard Eskin. This is one of my, th this is one of the true legends of sports media in the country for 40 years in Philadelphia. And that's where he spent his entire career. I mean, 
he's done over, I think it's 10 or 11,000 sports talk shows in Philadelphia over his career. He's been a legendary columnist there at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, he's currently the sports anchor at the Fox TV affiliate in Philly. He also does all the sideline uh, reporting on the Eagles radio broadcast. Can't wait to have this guy. I, I, I just I can't tell you how much I like this guy. Uh, he's an enormously uh, controversial figure in Philadelphia. Um, but he has done such incredible work uh, for charity in that town. He, he's a cool guy. I think you're going to like him. Uh, and then we have, uh, coming up a little bit later on, Jim Wexel uh, from Pittsburgh. He's the author of a book, The Pittsburgh Steelers, NFL Draft. He wrote that just recently. It came out. And uh, he's getting ready for the next Steelers draft. And he'll tell us all about what's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, boys, uh, staying uh, with uh, baseball until we have Howard Eskin on at uh, 1030. Uh, I don't know if either one of you guys had a chance to watch much of the Reds game. I know that Reed is not a regular Reds watcher. He knows what's going on with the Reds. I hate watch. I hate watch from time to time. Okay. Luke Weaver was pretty good last night. You know, um, guys come out, and, and the first inning is always the toughest inning. Pitchers, starting pitchers will tell you that, uh, that for whatever reason, um, you warm up in the bullpen before a game. And if you look statistically, right, even the great pitchers of all time, their highest ERA when you break down the splits of innings over their seasons, their careers, highest ERAs are generally almost always for pitchers in the first inning, starting pitchers. You go from a bullpen mound, and they're all supposed to be the same, but they're not. And you get, you know, you get a little break. Uh, after you warm up, you come in the dugout. Um, if you're the um, home team, you know, you're sitting there while the other team's batting for a half inning, and Lord knows how long that can last. Uh, then you finally get back out there. You still haven't been to the major league mound, right, to even throw any warm-up pitches. I've always wondered why they don't let pitchers, and, and, I, and I really mean this, I've always felt like they should let starting pitchers right? Go from the bullpen mound and give them about five minutes each before a game starts to throw on the major league mound. Name me another sport where a player gets ready, okay, somewhere else and never gets ready for a game to be played on that field or in hockey on that ice, right? Or on that court. You warm up on the court you're going to play on, right? Yeah, it is. I've never thought of it like that, but that's actually a very, very good point. You only get your eight pitches when you go out there on the mound, and that's all you get, right? Warm up in the bullpen all you want. That's a good point. That's a fair point, Tom. I wonder if pitchers would like that, right, to get out there and warm up. Now that's a good question. I mean, I, I wonder. I, I mean, I have to believe they would. I have to believe they would. Um, and you know, you, batters are able to do it. They take batting practice every day. You, you go during batting practice and every fielder at each position, you know, shortstop, third, second, first, whatever, they're all taking ground balls right there in the field they're going to play on. So if you're a visiting player and you're rolling into, you know, Pittsburgh, you might have played there a thousand times before. Maybe they replaced the turf. You go into a grass field like Colorado, you know, you got to get used to that, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but, but, but let me ask you guys this. Okay, so anyway, Weaver, Weaver did all right. I mean, he gave up four runs in that first inning. 
Uh, and then after that, as I mentioned, he goes five innings. A bullpen, because Lodolo had a bad game, because Hunter Green had to leave with the injury the other day. Uh, these last four or five days, uh, that bullpen has been asked to give him anywhere from, you know, six to five innings virtually every single day. So not only was Weaver able to gobble up innings, he gobbled up effective innings, right? Don't you hate when they say, hey, the, the, just give me some innings? Well, give me some innings. Right. What does that mean? You're right, and this is a team that's not built for having your, your bullpen carry a long load, right? So <laughs> gobble up some innings. Yeah, be good, but give us a chance to win too. And, and that's what Luke Weaver did. And, you know, you, you mentioned something that I in your monologue that I thought was very interesting about. If you look at a pitcher's career, they often give up the most runs in that first inning. So to be able to come back from that as Luke Weaver did just shows, you know, a guy that, that, that you can call on. So oftentimes pitchers in this league just, just flounder, right? That's why you got to have a veteran like Luke Weaver. He's had 500 innings in, in the majors. That's a guy when you're rebuilding a team, you can throw out there and feel confident that he's going to give you at least a chance to compete in the ball game. And that's what Luke Weaver did. Yes, he did. He did an excellent job. And, um, and you know, God bless him. I'm going to close out of this and see here real quick because it says that the chat's not working right now. Yeah, for some reason, the, uh, the, internet, the Wi-Fi that you and I are on, Tom, is out. But the other Wi-Fi is working. So I don't know. We're on, though. I think. Okay. Yeah, we're we're on. What a Friday. Yeah, we're mine, we're mine. here. Okay. All right. I'm we're, I'm we're seeing good. a green. So there's a there's a little button here underneath uh, the YouTube studio and it's a little dot. And when the dot is green, that's all I'm that's all I'm worried it's about. It's all you're today. worried about. Fair enough. But 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 the, but the internet that you and I are on is not the Wi-Fi is not working, correct? Uh if you're on headlines, no. It, I'm not seeing it right now. It, I'm on what is the deal with this building? I have no idea. I mean, seriously. This is a nice building. It's been well, you know, they're redoing a lot of the upstairs, mm -hmm. right? How many floors are here? Five, six, seven? Six, six, I think, six. Okay. Well, I mean, what's the deal? I, this I is your place, Reed. This is your place. We Paul just, and I are relative newcomers compared to you. You have been a lifer here. What is the deal? You know what's funny, Tom? So we originally had an office across town, like, right next to the courthouse, a few blocks down the road. And we moved to this place because we had so many problems at that old place. It, the heat never worked at the old place. Our, our Wi-Fi constant went out. So when we came to, came to this new building, we decided, hey, it's going to cost a little more money. It's going to have a rebuild for the studio. It's going to be our space, but it's going to be better. It's going to be so much better. And so oftentimes we've had the same problems where it's sometimes during the winter, 20 degrees in here. Sometimes during the, the summer, it's 90 degrees in here. And oftentimes the internet goes in and out. You know what? It's just, it's just what you get here. Sometimes you just got to roll with the punches here. In Old I'm Kentucky. all about rolling with the punches. And uh, although uh, Paul and I have been in here many, many, many uh, days in the winter where you could have hung meat in here. <laughs> It's true. Well, the thing about this building is that you have to decide, like, as a collective unit here on the first floor, whether you want to do heat or air conditioning. So sometimes back in the production room, when they're making a ton of shirts, it's really hot back there, right. even when it's cold outside. So they all want the air conditioning on back there. And then that's when you see us in here with our 
big puffy coats on and uh, we're all freezing. But no, I think I think we're good here. We do need Alta Fiber. Alta Fiber needs to fiber downtown Hamilton, and then we'd all be good. But Alta Fiber is not up here. They're not. They're not. Yeah, this this area is not fibered yet. I've heard it's coming though. The okay. city of Hamilton's looking to have that be something that the city puts out. That they will put the fiber internet in and it'll just be like a utility like your your gas or your electric and stuff like that and you just pay the city of hamilton for your internet looking into that i don't know how feasible that is here in the city of sculpture <laughs> the city why does it have the name the city of sculpture i have you i mean we've got the alexander hamilton sculpture I'm well aware downtown if you go across the river we have this big sculpture outside of our walgreens it's just a nickname that we've gotten over time because we've got pyramid hill which has a bunch of sculptures i, I don't know where it came from okay is there a sculpture of Joe Nuxall here? Not of Nuxie. There's, there's now that's a, hard to believe. There's portraits of him in multiple places. There's a, a little mom and pop sporting goods store right across the river called Clark, Clark Sporting Goods. And there's a big old mural to, to Nuxie. You know, yesterday our buddy uh, Ty Bradshaw was in here. He's done a lot of work for us, uh, part of our uh, game day show that we do before Friday night football games. Just a great dude. He took over basically... It's not the right title, but he's a director of the Joe Nuxall mm -hmm. Foundation now. The Miracle Fields. Yeah. Miracle Fields. And, 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 you know, for those of you that don't know, it's, if you ever have a chance, I would highly recommend it. Um, uh, it's not too far from where we are here, right? The Miracle Fields, uh, maybe, what, five minutes up the road? Ten minutes. Ten like minutes right up along the, the river, yep. And uh, they, they have a, a Miracle Field. And Sean Casey, the former Red, was heavily involved in this when he – um, heard about it. He was very close with Joe Nuxall. It gives children with disabilities a chance to play baseball. Um, and, uh, you know, it, you, you can play in wheelchairs. Um, and so Ty was in the other day. And last year, Sean Casey, so he built these Miracle Leaf fields up in Pittsburgh. He helped generate a lot of the money along with a lot of unbelievable uh, community business owners, whether they be electricians, whether they be plumbers, whatever it might be, uh, that basically donated their time to build the Miracle League fields here. I think we have two of them up here in Hamilton. Yeah, there's... Yeah, yeah. yeah. they added a second. Uh, but Sean Casey took um, his Miracle League teams uh, down to Tennessee last year uh, because, you know, a lot of people have heard about the Cal Ripken tournaments that they have all across uh, the country. They do some of them in Cooperstown. They do some in Maryland. Now, apparently now they have some down in Tennessee um, where, you know, you'll take a, a, a youth baseball team, you'll stay at a dorm, and you'll play there for a number of days and so forth. Well, they've started doing that now, Cal Ripken's organization has, for Miracle League kids and teams. And so Sean Casey took his teams down there last year and the Joe Nuxall Foundation, Miracle League, taking its teams down to play in Tennessee this summer. So Ty's getting them all dolled up, all their gear right here at Headlines. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be awesome, right? Travel down to Pigeon Forge, I think, is where yeah, it's gonna right, be. Yeah, right, right. And that'll be that'll be a fun trip for them. You know, it's um, it, 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 I was asking him. I said, you know, so well, you know, what do you do? Because all of these kids virtually are in wheelchair, transportation wise because you're providing transportation for these families. And he said a lot of them already have their own you know, vans, whatever it might be, so they're ready and would prefer so they can take their whole family to go down there. He said, but, but, but you always learn lessons from the other guys, because once you get down there, 
uh, in Tennessee where they're having it. What's called Pigeon Fork again? Is that right? Pigeon, Pigeon Fork, Fork yeah. outside Gatlinburg. Yeah. So what they'll um, they'll do is 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 uh, he found that there are actually buses out there. I've never seen one of these before. You know those big, huge buses you see that you know, like a Greyhound bus, right? That are um, are designed to handle multiple um, uh, wheelchairs traveling at the same time, get them in the bus, be able to get them off the bus, that kind of thing. And he said that uh, they've got all those lined up down there in uh, in, in in Tennessee, and and good for them. Uh, that, that's going to be a really exciting trip for all of those young people and their families. That's really cool stuff. Yeah. Ty's a good man. He is. Good on the air. Yeah. We should have Ty on sometime. Love to have him on. He's really good. He's an easy target. I love easy targets. (laughs) Who's an easier target, me or Paul? You or Paul? Yeah. Uh, Well, you'll be on the show more frequently, so we're about to find out. I don't want to speak to it yet. But, uh, you know, Paul surprised me today. I mean, he really surprised me today because, you know, he came in, he clicks on this, this monitor down here that has the UDF logo and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I know where this and is. when he turned it on, you know where we're going here. <laughs> you surprised me. You know, um, you turned it on and there was your guy, Joe Biden, talking about or trying to talk about something. Uh, Patching together three or four coherent sentences is a huge challenge. But um, when I said something to you about, oh, yeah, all the good people out there that have busted your ass to build up good credit, pay your bills on time, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Uncle Joe is making sure that those with good credit now are going to subsidize those that don't have good credit so they can go buy a house. And, and even Uncle Paul, the East Coast liberal elite, <laughs> said, I can't believe that's actually happening. You looked at me, you said, is that happening? I said, yeah, it actually is happening. You surprised me, Paul. Yeah, well. <laughs> Dear God, Paul. <laughs> yes. Somehow I got pigeonholed there. It's my guy. Sure not your guy, Reed. No. Definitely not your guy. So, uh, Paul may be (laughs) – on that alone, Paul will become the the easier target to get back to the original question that was asked. I can't believe we don't have the chat up. We do. We do. We do. I know, but I don't see it. And I love being able to see what these guys are thinking about and what's going on here. Anyway, you know, one one thing we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show because both you guys are baseball guys. Uh, Casey is learning baseball. God bless him. He's, he's, he's working at it. Um, I've been around baseball a little bit and you know, I, I, it's become fashionable in the analytics crowd. And look, I am all about having all the information you can have, but George will said it best a number of years ago when he was on television with us, uh, doing an interview Uh, he made the comment point blank. He says, analytics is the best thing for the pitcher. It's the best thing for the hitter. It's the worst thing for the game. And although those in the analytics crowd will, I mean, they will fight you or want to fight you or bludgeon you on social media. And I could name names, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to try to stay above that fray. Um, 
Analytics, in large part, did ruin baseball for a number of years. And thank God there are enough smart people out there that have stepped in and said, hold on a minute. Shift, done. D-U-N. The way we scout players, the way we draft players and move forward, it's going to be a different ball game moving forward. And so, um, you know, but, but one of the things the analytics crowd will tell you is managers really don't make much of a difference in terms of teams winning and losing. I think they'll tell you maybe it's three or four games. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on with Reed and uh, Paul. But I talked about him. Is he here and ready to go? Yes, he is. I got to tell you, of all the guys, and he knows I mean this when I say this, every time I get a Philadelphia Eagles game, uh, I'd get a, I'd get a, a text from Howard Eskin. He'd say, hey, would you mind joining me on the field uh, where he does a, a show before each and every Eagles game as the uh, sports anchor over at um, Fox 29 News, and then he does the sideline reporting stuff for the Eagles radio broadcast. But uh, going way, way back, I talked about his career a little bit earlier on. It is just an unbelievable career. And it's a pleasure to be joined by our friend Howard Eskin in Philadelphia. Always looking good, man. I, I, you know, somebody said to me, Tom, why are you wearing a tie today? I said, I'm only wearing a tie because Howard Eskin is coming on. I would have bet the ranch that you would have had a coat, some beautiful blazer and a vest and a tie and all that kind of thing. But you're still looking good, even in the pullover and the button down there. You know what? I, uh, I saved the suits uh, for game days, and I save the suits for games because opposing coaches, when they look at the coaching tape, will always tell me, says, you know, I can always spot you on the sideline. You're the only one with a suit on the sideline. Uh, it, 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 that's just the way I roll. But I figured I'd be a little more casual for you today, uh, and I'd forego the suit and the tie. Uh, but that's, that's, nice that, hey, that's nice that you have a tie on. Uh, but hey, listen, you know, some days you got to break it down just a little below my normal level. All right. Well, that's fair enough. We're, we're, we're just thrilled to have you. It looks like a beautiful day there. And uh, I assume you're in Philadelphia getting ready for the draft. Uh, yeah, they, they, you know what they it's it's weeks and weeks of nonsense. And I say nonsense. We know. Uh, that there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks taken in the first 10 picks. We know all that. But in Philadelphia, when you have sports talk radio, as I guess it is in every city, uh, it's just it's beating and beating and beating up these names. And in Philadelphia now, the, the probably still the biggest craze is B. John Robinson, the running back from Texas, and it's over the top. And I guarantee, I pretty much guarantee you the Eagles will not take a running back with the 10th pick in the draft. But it is a lot. It's a lot of the draft. Uh, the Eagles had a news conference yesterday, which basically said nothing, which you know, they're not going to tell you what they're going to do. And then we're going to have Jalen Hurts, who signed a contract. Uh, I guess officially it's done. Uh, he'll speak next week, so we'll have that. We'll have the draft. It might be baseball season. It might be basketball playoffs. Uh, but in Philadelphia, it's all about the NFL draft and about the Eagles. You know, Howard, you covered sports for a long time, all sports, uh, in both your radio, television career, also your, uh, your, your as a writer. 
Um, and you mentioned, you know, the, 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 the Sixers in the playoffs right now. They're up three games to none in their series. They got the best player in the league. Uh, the Phillies are coming off a trip to the World Series. But, you know, you look around, and I think in every city in the United States of America now, that the NFL dominates all the conversation. There, there might be a little pocket here, depending on what something's <laughs> happening, a little pocket there. But are you amazed at how football has just completely now dominated the entire sports landscape? You know, I don't know that I'm amazed uh, because it's been years, it's been years in the making or years that it's happened. But I remember, see, I, I'll go back to the last time the Phillies won, well, the last time they won a World Series, they still weren't the number one team in town. That was 2008. But I go back to the days because it was my first World Series in 1980 when you had Schmidt and you had Boa and you had Carlton and you had Pete Rose and you had, you know, all these Hall of Famers on that team. And it was just, it was different then. And baseball, because the winter meetings were better, you usually had trades and not just agents and signings at the baseball winter meetings. So you had really a hotbed for close to 12 months a year of baseball, but that's gone. That's gone. Baseball is the winter meetings are, I think, irrelevant now as far as the fans are concerned. Uh, there's going to be signings at certain times. and But football just dominates all year round because the NFL, they knew what they were doing. Uh, the combine, which I think is a waste of time for the fans. It's guys running 40-yard dashes and how high you jump and all that nonsense. But it's still big for the fans. Uh, and then you have uh, – then you talk about the, the draft picks. And then you talk about the draft. And then you have the draft. And they do network shows on the schedule. It's amazing. Network shows mm -hmm. when the schedule comes out, which will be shortly after the draft. They know what they're doing, and it just keep, and then you have mini camps for football, and then you look at the draft picks, and then you look at the players that the Eagles or any team has signed. It, the NFL knew what they were doing. Uh, really, they marketed better than they just print money. Uh, they marketed better than anybody else, and it's it's almost every day of the year you talk football, and that and that's what it is, and it's. It's never going to change in Philadelphia, and I think in most of the country, it's pretty much the same way. Even with bad football teams, they still talk uh, football. Now you're going to have certain cities. Uh, the Yankees are going to be big in New York because the Giants are still years away from really contending to go to the Super Bowl. You could, they can make the playoffs. You can give me all this nonsense, but you still need a quarterback, and I still don't think they have a quarterback. But, so, but New York, it's still the Yankees. Uh, and in Chicago... I don't know what's in Chicago anymore. The Cubs, uh, the the Bears, uh, the Chicago Bulls aren't what they used to be. But other than that, it, it's just it's football. It's football all over, and that's certainly the way it is here in Philadelphia. So we'll we'll talk about the draft every minute of every day on WIP. Now, last night, uh, you know, there was a playoff game. And other than the fact that it's the Nets, which are not a good team, you know, you have all this stuff where players were thrown out and Joel Embiid kicks the guy in the groin and, you know, you do, and which he was wrong for doing and he should have been thrown out of the game. Uh, but so they talk, they're talking about that uh, a little bit today, but it'll, it'll revert right back to the draft and right back to the NFL and right back to the football. 
And even when the Eagles weren't that good, they still talk football. But now they're coming off a Super Bowl. Even with the Phillies coming off a World Series, I think you lose to Colorado last night. And how do you get shut out by Colorado? It's just there's something just not there yet with the Phillies. And I'm not sure why, even with Bryce Harper out of the lineup, uh, they miss Reese Hoskins. But still, it's just they're coming off a World Series, but it still goes right back to football. It's all about football. All right, I want to talk to you for a minute because here in Cincinnati, um, you know, they don't have to get it done this offseason, but most people feel like it's going to get done. And that's a contract of Joe Burrow, their outstanding quarterback, right? Uh, The Eagles give... Uh, Hertz, as you alluded to, this huge deal. He's the highest paid player in the history of the league. Uh, he led the team to the Super Bowl last year. I think he should have been the MVP had he not gotten hurt there and missed the last four weeks of the season. I thought he deserved to be the MVP uh, up until that point, even ahead of Burrow and ahead of uh, Patrick Mahomes, who eventually won it. Um, the Hertz, though, has never played a full season uh, in the NFL as a quarterback without some type of injury. Do you like this deal? Well, it's a way of the world. I don't like quarterbacks getting obnoxious money because it takes away, even though the cap goes up every year, it's basically 20% of the payroll. I don't know that you can continually build a winner when you have to start paying that money. Now, let's understand, Kansas City did it, and the contract didn't start because there was time left on the contract. Mm -hmm. It didn't start till later but it's getting more difficult for them. And they have the best quarterback in the league. Joe Burrow's obviously the second best quarterback in the NFL. But you can't do it when you're paying a quarterback $50 million. And if Jalen Hurts, now he averages $51 million, but for the next two years, in the third year he's only on their cap, it's only going to be $20-some million. So they backed it up, pushed it down the road, and they'll keep on that's it'll catch up the teams at some point but you keep on pushing it down the road uh, i i just don't think paying a quarterback that the quarterback's the most important position on the team there's no question about it but paying a quarterback that kind of money is obnoxious uh, and you know how much money do you need and it's all about the ego not necessarily for Jalen Hurts but for the agents for the players union it's all about getting it higher and higher and higher and it's crazy, the numbers out there now. But, yeah, does he deserve it? You're going to have to pay him. But it doesn't start for a while the way the Eagles and the general manager, Howie Roseman, structured it. It doesn't hurt you for a while, so they still have a chance to build a team. They only have five draft picks this year unless they make a trade. And somehow I think they're going to trade the 30th pick in the first round and get an extra pick this year. But they have 12 or 13 picks next year because they got a bunch of compensatory picks. So – with doing that, you've got to get young players that are successful. But that quarterback money just – it's just – it's crazy. It's – but they had to do it. Uh, he's played really well. There's no reason to think that he won't continue along the line that he's going. And, uh, you know, people just think he's a running quarterback. Lamar Jackson is a runner who plays quarterback. Yep. Jalen uh, Hurts has now kind of developed himself into – a quarterback who also runs the football and people have a uh, they have a that they don't understand it's it's misrepresented how much he runs he ran 165 t- times last year there were 20 sneaks uh, or no excuse me there were 20 kneel downs 
there were 40-some sneaks, you know, when it's third or fourth and one. And the rest of them, uh, and then there were like uh, 35 or 40 scrambles, which is not designed as a running play. So when you really break it down, he only ran about 65 times last year. And that's not, that's not bad. And Nick Sirianni, the head coach, said yesterday, we're not going to change who he is just because we, you think we have to protect him. He's going to, we're going to allow him to be the quarterback he is, which makes him a good quarterback. So, uh, but it is crazy money. It, it's just, it's, it's, and it's going to get, I'm telling you, it's going to get worse. In three years, a quarterback, a good one, will make over $60 million a year if he's good enough. It, it's, it's, it's nuts. It is absolutely insane. Um, looking at, uh, I, I know they didn't say anything at the press conference, uh, and they're not going to, as you pointed out, but one piece of news that came out of there and, and, you know, I always find it interesting. I think you probably do, do too. When there's a little sort of intrigue to moves that teams make, uh, Matt Patricia, former head coach of the Detroit lions, where he made his name, um, uh, of course, for many, many years working alongside Bill Belichick. Uh, as his defensive coordinator. Last year, uh, he asked him to be an offensive coordinator. It did not work out. Patricia is hired by the Eagles or is going to be hired by the Eagles. As a defensive, I don't know what the word is, but he's going to be a guy that's involved in the defense, not as a coordinator, but helping him game plan, et cetera, et cetera. The intrigue comes in where Patricia had an incident when he was the head coach of the Lions with Darius Slay, the outstanding corner of the Philadelphia Eagles, who at the time was playing for him in Detroit. Um, what do you make of that whole thing? Well, I'm not a Matt Patricia fan, and, you know, I'm sure that, uh, you know, the Eagles liked him. They interviewed him quite a while ago. I, I think they really did him a favor because he didn't get a job. Apparently, I've, he didn't get a job, and uh, Nick Sirianni, who's, you know, obviously has some kind of relationship somewhere along the way, or somebody there does, wanted to give him a job, try to keep him in the mix. And I, I'm okay. I understand that. That's that's nice that they do that. An advisor, I guess, is what kind of what he's going to be. Uh, but, yeah, but I don't know that he'll have much contact with Darius Slay. Darius Slay is kind of an, an interesting, I'll say interesting, to try to be nice about it. Kind of an interesting guy. He's got his own opinions. He's strong about those. And that's fine. But players just got to play the game. You know, he's on he's on Twitter too much. I, I can't take it anymore with Twitter. I had to unfollow him. It's just it's too much. It's just nonsense and more BS. And, you know, just play the game. So, but I don't think there's going to be that much of a problem because I don't know that he'll really have direct, when I say direct contact, on the field, uh, telling him what to do, and this is what you got to do because uh, he's not going to be that coach. He's not the defensive coordinator. Uh, they obviously uh, uh, hired a defensive coordinator, which I guess Darius Slay has got to get to know a little bit. Uh, but no, I, I don't think it'll be a big problem. Uh, it's just, and if he can help, that's fine. I just, Nick Sirianni said he has a good body of work. Well, he failed as a head coach, uh, and his boy Bill Belichick moved on from him. So I don't know what they, they, they did him. A, they did him a solid. They did him a favor, and uh, they gave him a job to keep him in the mix. 
and I'm sure they hope he gets a job down the line somewhere else. But uh, I, I'm not I'm not a fan just based on what I've seen over the last. I don't know him. Uh, I don't think I've ever met him. Uh, I'm sure I will uh, with many camps coming up, and I'm sure they'll introduce him at some point to the media. So, but I don't think there's going to be a problem with Darius Slay. As outspoken as Darius Slay is, and as I don't want to say crazy. Crazy's not a not the right word. As uh, forceful with his opinions as he is, I'm sure they've talked to him, and he's going to have to move on from that. And I'm sure Matt Patricia will. And again, I don't think there's going to be as much contact as you would have if he coached the defensive backs or coached the position. He's he's an advisor on the on the defense, and they have a coordinator. You know, um, I, I, I'm not so sure. Well, look, I think any coach or uh, head coach or manager, uh, they're going to connect with the fan base in any particular city if they win, right? I mean, you win, you win, you have parades, everybody loves everybody, everything's cool. Um, did we lose uh, Howard there? We did. Let's see if let's see if we can maybe get him back. He may have – he may be getting a phone call. Yeah. Okay. Maybe getting a phone call. Sometimes all he's got to do is, if he texts you, Tom, all he's got to do is click that same link again. The same link's still active. I will text him that. Oh, there he is. Hold on. Okay. All right. Must have gotten a phone call or something. That normally uh, throws us out of whack around here. Uh, good to have Howard back. Howard, um, you know, I, I was talking about in any, in any particular city, you're going to connect as a head coach or a manager with a fan base when you win. Um, but um, Sirianni. I mean, uh, this guy, at least from the outside, sitting all the way here in Cincinnati, uh, if there was a guy that to me, I mean, just seemed like he was the perfect guy for that city. Am I right on that? Being who? What, who Sirianni. Sirianni. Uh, it just seems you like there what? was a connection, like a Philly kind of a guy that they would love. Or, or, or maybe I'm totally wrong on that. No, I, I, <laughs> They didn't love him at first, uh, but he is a guy because he gets it. Uh, he really gets it. He doesn't get sensitive to the noise outside, and there is a lot of noise outside. Hey, after, after his first five games, or his first seven games, I think he was two and five his first year. And some of these nitwits on the air, whether it's callers or talk show hosts, were ready to fire him without giving him a chance. His first news conference was a train wreck. Yeah. And the problem was, you know, public relations people give you, hey, say this, don't say this. And he's got all these. And it was Zoom at that time because we were in the pandemic. Uh, say this, don't say this. And you could see he's looking at his notes on what to do. Just be yourself. Real and natural. Just be. And he, he picked that up. And after that, he got better at that. And he understood it. Uh, but and then they rip him for some of the things that come out of his uh meetings which he shares with people he talked about he showed a plant during one of the team meetings on wednesday uh, when they start their week and he talked about growth and it wasn't just about talking about plants but he ran a video of peyton manning one time from a saturday night live skit where he's throwing footballs and knocking down kids i forget what the analogy he used but he gets players attention he's creative he's got the respect and the players like him, which is hard to get both. Bill Belichick never got both. Uh, he just he, he had guys that maybe respected him, 
but didn't like him. It's hard to get both, but he, but the city, he understands the city. Now those people are gonna, still going to rip him, rip him for the Super Bowl. You know, it's his fault. It's his, It's never the players. It's always the, I shouldn't say, it's either the quarterback or the coach. Uh, but he's connected because he understands, for the most part, never going to be 100%, because he understands uh, the people. He understands what the city is, and he's a sharp enough guy to have picked that up fairly quickly so that that yeah I, I like the guy i think he's got great personality but he's creative he knows what he's doing and obviously being on the sidelines during the game as a sideline reporter i keep an eye i, I keep an extra lookout on the coach and the quarterback how's the quarterback responded to a, a poor series how has the quarterback responded to an interception how has the quarterback responded to a good series? So I keep an eye on the quarterback. And that was when the Eagles won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. I, 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 this is going to be fine. He'll go off on, on officials a lot. He doesn't go off on the players as much. He'll talk to them, uh, but he does. But when it comes time, to get and he's very emotional and he'll high five and he's high fiving everybody. He's getting the fans to to start cheering and yelling and screaming. But when it comes time to be into the game, he's right there. Uh, so uh, you know, is he going to make mistakes? Yeah, everybody makes mistakes. Is he going to call a timeout when he shouldn't have called a timeout? Yeah, that's hindsight in most cases. But uh, now he's connected. And I think he's a, I think he's a, I think he's a very good coach. I mean, he, he was he should have been in the top three in coach in coaches of the year and, and, and you know the coach of the year. But whatever the case, he doesn't care about that. He cares about winning. And they got to a Super Bowl, got to a Super Bowl in a short time with him as the head coach. All right, I only want to ask you two more things, if you don't mind. Um, number one. Uh, is Andy Reid a better coach now than he was during his great run in Philadelphia? I think everybody learns over time. I'm trying to think because I don't see him every game, and they're in the AFC, so I'm not right. going to. Well, I'm at the game, so I'm not going to see as much. I still I talk to Andy quite often, and I talked to him a few weeks ago uh, at the NFL league meetings. We talk a lot. We talk about a lot of things, and not just football. Is he a better coach? I think he's the best coach in the NFL. And it's not even close. You know, if people give me Bill Belichick, I, I, I want to just, I want to scream. Uh, it, because Andy Reid is a great coach. And he's going to be, I don't know how high he's going to go, but right now I guess he's in the top five all time of wins. Is he better? I think he does a lot of the same things. He's really good with quarterbacks. Uh, he's really good with his players. And we don't see it because in the news conferences, He's a little more personal now than he used to be. He used to, and we talked about that. We talked about, Andy, why don't you stay? You don't have to name a player, but name a, a group or a position or whatever. He said he played under Lavelle Edwards, who most people who are watching or listening probably don't remember. He was the coach at BYU where Andy played college football. And he never, ever outed anybody, and he never got critical directly of his team. And he says, it's just, it's just the way I'm going to do it. Uh, but is he better? No, I, I think he had good players here and he was excellent. You know, at the end, there's an expiration date on every coach. As long as your quarterback's playing well, you're going to be good. 
and Donovan McNabb started his quality of play started to go down, and that's when it started to get bad. And then they had other quarterbacks. But now with Patrick Mahomes, I remember asking him after he won his first Super Bowl. I says, you know, I says, I think your wife wants you to retire. He says, I ain't done yet. Uh, I says, not with that quarterback, you're not done. <laughs> but he's a great coach now, and he was a terrific coach then. And the reason I don't say he was great because I think greatness comes over time. And in his time, you can see how he's a slam. I mean, to say he's a slam dunk for the Hall of Fame is so obvious. Mm -hmm. But, and that, people judge somebody, well, is he going to be in the Hall of Fame or is he not going to be in the Hall of Fame? If you're good or you're great, you're good or you're great, you may or may not get in the Hall of Fame. Is he better? I think he's learned things. So he will probably tell you things that he's learned uh, along the way. And the Eagles were his first head coaching job coming off of a position coach uh, with the Green Bay Packers. And people had told me about him, and I didn't know him, but I, I introduced myself at one of those Super Bowl news conferences when he was sitting by himself. And I and little did I know that three months later he was going to be the Eagles head coach. But I'm sure he, he feels he's gotten better, but I think he was a terrific coach then, and he's a great, great coach now. And it's not even a question that he's the best coach in the NFL. Last thing, uh, every now and again, we, we see that ring. That was the one from uh, the, the, the Peterson days you're sporting there, right? Look at the size of that yeah. thing. Good Lord, oh. that's as big as your hand almost. Okay, yeah, but here's what I'm going to tell you. The Phillies went at, they're, they're at they They got their national, uh, their pennant or National League championship ring. On the ring, it says champions big at the bottom with National League buried in small print you can't and that ring and i was with charlie manuel after the ring presentation who won the world series he was the manager of the world series team in 2008 mm -hmm. this is damn he's that ring bigger than mine and i won the world series <laughs> uh, <laughs> they got a little out of control with the size of the ring but super bowl rings get and there's bigger super bowl rings than this baby yeah but th there's uh there's rings that are bigger and I know the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, didn't want it that big. And the players said, no, you got to make it big. You got to make it big. This isn't even the biggest ring anymore. Uh, it, so it, it, it's nice. I'm proud. I feel honored that, you know, I got it because I'm part of the broadcast team. And I'm, it, it happens in every sport. And there's going to be the Eagles get a National League or, or the Eagles get a National, uh, a national mm -hmm. Football Conference championship ring. And I can tell you, and I have not seen it, it's not going to be bigger than the Super Bowl ring. It will not. Uh, but they want to make them bigger and bigger. It's it just that's the way of the world. It's, and the players don't even, most of them don't even wear them. Yeah, I, it, yeah. it just, I don't wear it all the time. I wore it just, just to show off a little bit here with you. But <laughs> and if I, if I go to events, if I go to events, I'll wear them because people love it. And if there's, yes. and if there's kids at those events, I'll take off the ring and I'll put it on the kid's finger and the parents get so excited and they take a picture of the kid with the ring and they get so excited and you're just making people happy because it's a, it's a moment that I'll never forget. And I'll, I'll move on from, from the ring and just give you a little backstory. My greatest moment in covering sports in Philadelphia. And I told Mike Schmidt that and Mike and I talk a lot. Uh, greatest third baseman that ever played the game, and it's not even a question. Uh, and I don't know who's going to surpass him, but because he could do everything. But I said, Mike, 
the 80 World Series was my greatest moment because it was my first first champion. When I was a kid, I saw the Eagles win a championship, and I was really, really, really young when they won in 1960. It kind of shows you my age a little bit. And that's the only game that Vince Lombardi ever lost in a playoff. It was against the Green Bay Packers. But other than that, you know, the Sixers won a championship in 80 in 83, and that was great. And, you know, I grew up with them. But the 80 World Series was my greatest moment covering sports. I said, but Mike, this Super Bowl kind of moved into number one, and I got to push the Phillies back to number two. Because that Super Bowl in the 2017 season in 2018 was such a great Super Bowl. Even Roger Goodell and I saw him, uh, I guess, weeks later at the, the NFL meetings. He said at that time, he said it might have been the greatest game ever. And there were some really great games because it was just so much to think that the Patriots had over 600 yards on offense and they lost the game because Nick Foles was unconscious. And that's that's a moment. And there's a statue with Nick Foles and Doug Peterson outside of Lincoln Financial Field where the Eagles play. And it'll always and never, ever, ever not be a memory of people in Philadelphia. So the ring, you know, it, it was... I don't know. It's like 200 diamonds or whatever. It Phillies have 462 diamonds in a, in a second place ring. And, and, and listen, they, they should be proud of what they accomplished. They should be proud that they got to the World Series. Uh, they should be proud uh, with help from the Milwaukee Brewers who kind of did the El Foldo in the last week of the season. They should be proud uh, because that manager in St. Louis is an idiot uh, who screwed up the first playoff game in the first playoff series. You know, when you said, and I heard you before we went on the air, your managers lose or win games. Managers only lose games. I don't think they, I think managers lose, can lose five to eight games. I don't think baseball managers win games. The players win them. But you can lose them by taking your pitcher out too early, leaving him in too long. There's certain things that, that you can do, and that manager lost the game. But nonetheless, the Phillies took it from there. Uh, they went on a roll. Uh, that Bryce Harper home run against San Diego when the manager didn't bring in his best reliever, uh, hater, lefty against left, whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter because they got to the World Series and it was a great moment uh, here in Philadelphia. But you got to win the World Series uh, and you just can't accept sec uh, being second. And I, I feel bad. It's teams that have lost the Super Bowl have only go gone back the next year twice in the last 28 years. Teams that have lost the World Series have only won the World Series twice in the last 30 years, the next year, twice in the last 30 years. So it's really, really hard. So it's an honor. So I don't want to take anything away from the Phillies and the size of that, that ring. Uh, but the Super Bowl ring should be big. A championship yeah. ring should be big. That's the way it works. Well, he was given the nickname by our friend Pete Rose. Pete Rose nicknamed Howard Eskin simply King when he was there in Philadelphia. And so uh, we cannot thank you, Howard, enough for your time today. It's great seeing you, man. You never age a day. And uh, hopefully you have a chance to see you in person sometime down the road. I hope so, Tom. And it's, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And you've always been uh, kind to me. And I'll never forget your dad, who was always great to me as well. He told me to so, tell you hello. Uh, he told me to tell you hello. Yeah, I'll tell you, the best. He's the best. So uh, you have a great day. And anytime, and I, I really appreciate our friendship. And Absolutely, you. Howard. Great to see you. Howard Eskin, I told you guys before he came on, I, I just, I think the world of the guy. And uh, he likes uh, Bill Belichick.
They'll cheat. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's the stuff you got to hear. You know what I mean? We don't hear that stuff around here. No. We hear it on this show. We don't hear it anywhere else. Right? Yeah. I mean, tell it like it is. And, and Howard, every time he referred to him, Belichick. <laughs> Love it. All right. Ham and Eggers take it away. We got uh, Jim Wexel to talk about the Steelers. Men of aluminum. Coming up. Ham and Eggers. All yours. It's that time of the show. The Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me. I would know. I introduce all the best segments. All right. Yep. Uh, it is time to talk about. Uh, let's go Encore Technologies. Wait, oh, wait. Uh, what do you want to do? You want to do Pawnee first? Well, I was just going to. You're drinking you. the Pawnee. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to tell you a story that. Okay. You know, I woke up today. I felt a little dehydrated, right? Just sweating a little bit. Just didn't feel like myself. Might, might have had a, a slight headache. All of a sudden, get in the office and I get some premium alkaline water. Mm. Mm. So the question is, Paul, are you still drinking regular water? <laughs> it could not be me. There's no chance I would drink regular water. Well, the thing about regular water as opposed to premium alkaline water is that premium alkaline water has been shown to have superior hydration benefits. Uh, that was in a clinical study. And no one does premium alkaline water better than Pawnee. This stuff tastes great. Made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, the city of sculpture. Little Chicago. He uses natural limestone. <laughs> Little Chicago? That's a, that's a, that's Is a that real, a thing? That's a real nickname. Let me get through this ad. All right, let's go through the ad. <laughs> tell you about the Little Chicago background. So it uses natural limestone filtrations, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and that is the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at pawneywater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can get some of this amazing stuff. So Little Chicago. Yes. That is an actual nickname. You go to you go to Hamilton's Wikipedia page, Little Chicago. And the reason for that is, is because mobsters from Chicago, Al Capone, John Dillinger, these guys, they would come here during Prohibition to get away from the hustle and bustle and the, the cops beating down on their necks. There's actually, when they started renovating downtown Hamilton, they found these tunnels underneath the, the buildings right here in downtown that would combine you and would go to speakeasies for where these guys were. Interesting. So that's where we got the nickname, Little Chicago. Some people even go the step further and call Chicago Big Hamilton. So Ah, many people heard, many people say if, that. If you, if you heard that a time or two, it's it's coming right here from, from Hamilton, Ohio. Many people say that. We also, uh, we also are sponsored by our friends at Encore Technologies. The Bengals Report, which we will talk more about the Bengals here uh, pretty soon because – course we're gonna have jim wexel on to talk about the afc north Bengals report is brought to you by encore technologies encore technologies provides it solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center supporting both centralized and work from home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity visit encore.tech the path to innovation begins here all right tom well, fellas, um, we look, have, when, when Casey, yeah, we, we do have Jim Wexel. Whenever, we do. okay, you know, when Casey's here, he doesn't like talking about the Steelers. He doesn't like talking about the Ravens. He doesn't like talking about the Browns. But uh, kind enough to uh, join us today to talk about the Steelers. Publisher of CBS Sports, Steel City Insider, and author of the new book. It's called On the Clock. 
Pittsburgh Steelers at the NFL Draft is Jim Wexel. Jim, welcome. Nice to have you on the program. Tell us about the book. Uh, thanks for having me, Tom. It's a, a history book of uh, Steelers draft picks, what they were thinking when they went into drafts, how they got guys, what uh, guys they passed up, you know, things like that. And uh, it's perfect right now. You, you know, history lessons are, uh, are very important. I don't know if you feel the Churchillian at all, but, uh, yes. you know, we should learn from history. A, a lot of the young guys, they tell me, nah, nah, take, uh, don't think about the past. It's a different game. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm thinking of the 87 draft with the Steelers when they rebuilt the secondary and got a couple linebackers, Greg Lloyd, Hardy Nickerson, and uh, and uh, Rod Woodson and Thomas Everett and Delton Hall. And uh, so in, in honor of Dick Haley, the passing of Dick Haley, that was his first draft with the Steelers. So I'm looking at a historical lesson from, from 1987 for the this Steelers draft. Well, you know, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the, the current Steelers here a little bit because uh, they, they named a new general manager in Omar Khan uh, a little more than a year ago. Um, some of his moves, maybe right from the get-go, were not all that great. He seems like he's been on a pretty good roll here lately. What are your thoughts about his first year plus on the job? Okay, well, you know, I don't want to dampen Omar's uh, psyche. I'm doing this with Steeler fans, too, but Tomlin runs the team. You know, the head coach <laughs> in Pittsburgh runs the team. <laughs> well, he should. But, he I never mean, loses. No, Omar did things like the Allen Robinson trade. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, the fine points of a deal like that where they worked at – they redid his contract. They We just got updated news on the Allen Robinson trade. They – for basically a swap of seventh rounders, mm -hmm. 17. And the Rams paid 10 million of the 15 million. So the Steelers owe 5 million for this year. And assuming they were going to uh, cut him loose because the next year was 15 million. Uh, the Rams redid the contract. Uh, it was just announced today that the Steelers got that done too. So they could possibly keep him next year for 10 million. Uh, and at least they can uh, take some of that $5 million from this year and move half of it to next year on a bonus. So that's all Omar. I mean, he's been a whiz with numbers, and, and, uh, and now, he's, now he's finding forgotten players such as Allen Robinson that are needy in a Jericho Cotri kind of way. If you're uh, a Pittsburgh, yep. if you you have to be an avid Pittsburgh fan to remember Jeremo, Jeremo, Jericho Cotri from 2011. They picked him up. He was a slot guy, big bodied slot guy, took care of a, a young room of receivers. And that's what exactly what Allen Robinson's going to do with this team. All right. Um, look, uh, very quietly, maybe outside of the Peterson tra uh, acquisition, quietly, They've gone out, the Steelers have. They, they, they've brought in 10 free agents. They've signed four of their own free agents. Yes, some guys have walked out the door. Six of the guys they brought in, it looks like they're going to be starters on uh, day one. You throw in this Robinson trade. At the end of the day, as we sit here today pre-draft, are the Steelers a better team than the team that ended the season a year ago? They are. They are. I really like the Patrick Peterson. I seem to like it more than anybody else. I know he's up there in age, but I, speaking of 1987 history and me probably covering this team for too long, 
Rod Woodson left and became a pretty good free safety for the Baltimore Ravens and the uh, uh, Oakland Raiders. And played in two Super Bowls, won a ring as a free safety. Patrick Peterson is all up for that kind of talk. And Tomlin has already talked about moving him around. I envision him as the outside corner and whichever first round pick, second round pick they bring in as a corner, which is inevitable. Uh, Peterson goes inside and Tomlin said, you know, maybe some safety work, not just nickel corner, but safety work. And Peterson's all up for that. So I I, I, I want that Rod Woodson thing to come full circle here because yeah. the Steelers really, really lost on a guy there. When when you look, I think it's correct me if I'm wrong here now. I, I, I think it's the Steelers have four of the top 80 picks. Is that right? Four, oh, four of the top 80. Yes. Three of the okay. top 49. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, let, let, let's start there. Uh, there's been some talk. No, I want to start here. There's been some talk that they, that they might be interested. They've had conversations with Chicago about moving up to nine because most people believe, and you tell me if this is, is correct or incorrect in your opinion, most people feel like they got to get one of these big dominant tackles, that they got to have one of these top three guys, right? And if you're waiting around to pick where they're picking now at, I think, 17, the guy's not going to be there. Do you think they ultimately make a deal and move up? Should they move up? Man, going back to history lessons, Leon Searcy was a number 11 pick for them, and he was a right tackle. Um, I tell you right now, they can get – their left tackle is just finished his second year, played every game. Uh, their right tackle uh, is making $10 million, two score four. Uh, he He's okay. He's 26. They're both young. They're both experienced. Dan Moore, the left tackle, still has room to improve. I don't I don't consider it a real need. The real need is the third offensive tackle. Now, I don't know that a third offensive tackle can be found later in the draft. There are some names. I'm hearing uh, the Pitt, Pitt has a tackle, so they know the local kid. Um, but, yeah, Darnell Wright is the guy who interests me. And you assume a right tackle could fall to number 17, especially when everybody's talking Paris Johnson and Skaronsky and uh, uh, Broderick Jones. Those are all left tackles. So trading up, I would, I think I would trade up for Paris Johnson, but not Broderick Jones and probably not a right tackle. Although history tells me Leon Searcy, uh, pick number 11, Bill Cowher's first pick, um, did not play as a rookie at all, and then was a Super Bowl right tackle and the lead the lead guy on their outstanding running game in uh, against the Cowboys in the '95 Super Bowl. So I have no problem with Darnell Wright, but I'd hate to trade up for a right tackle, trade okay. up for a left tackle. All right. Well, with 40 picks, if they don't move in the top 80, uh, what areas need most to be addressed with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, they need a third tackle. All, all these positions, they need a third guy. Cornerback could maybe start um, opposite Patrick Peterson. I think Patrick Peterson's going to start. I know he's old, but I think he's going to start. And uh, Levi Wallace is the other corner. Uh, a guy who's been a backup everywhere and then steps in and does an admirable job as a starter. People are always trying to replace Levi Wallace, but I think he's serviceable. But that's the one position that probably a, a rookie could start. 
at least on sub packages, he comes in and plays outside and Pat Peterson moves inside. Otherwise, you're looking at a third offensive tackle is needed and a third outside linebacker and a third inside linebacker. And, um, boy, you're looking to replace Cam Hayward at some point. He's 34 years old. So they would hope for a defensive tackle. But, again, they don't need him to start. But cornerback is the only half starter. Let's call him a half starter, sub-package starter. Did we lose him? No, I think I think he's here. Oh, okay. I thought we lost him no, there man. a second. Okay. So okay. okay. So there's your area. When 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 Steeler fans and there's been such incredible success with that franchise, one of the all-time great franchises in all the professional sports. You know, you build up expectations uh, when you win like the Steelers have for a long, long time. Looking at the Bengals, looking at the Ravens, looking at the Browns. Um, do Steeler fans have reason for optimism they can contend in, in the uh, AFC North? Well, the fans do. I, I don't necessarily. But, I mean, somebody just ran down their young lineup of offensive skill players. Very interesting. Very talented. They had some defense in his draft. And Pickett makes monumental strides. I like Pickett but I think it's two, three years away. That's why my point this year has been just, if it's a pass rusher, even though you have TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, if it's a pass rusher, you think is the best player at 17, take them because this is a, a two, three year down the road. I, really, the Bengals are the team. Um, you look at the Ravens are really languishing with their quarterback issue. Uh, if you if you read Jer, uh, Daniel Jeremiah's transcript with the media yesterday, it, it, the, the Baltimore people are, they want a plan for, to replace Jackson. And, and Jeremiah is saying, hey, you bring in a, a guy too soon, then you're going to ruin negotiations for, for Lamar Jackson next year. So it seems like they have a real mess brewing on their hands. And yeah. the Browns, I, I don't know what to say about the Browns, but uh, I, I think the Bengals are clearly the class of this division and the uh, Steelers have a puncher's chance, but more so down the road, two, three years when Pickett gets a little, little more experience. Now, I got, I got to tell you, Jim, I got friends of mine that I went to college with at Ohio University in Pittsburgh. That I, they, they, they're born and raised Pittsburgh guys, and I mean, I, I love them with all my heart and soul and every fiber in my body. And they love their Steelers. Um, but I got to tell you, uh, I talk to them regularly, and they tell me I've heard it more and more and more and more. You know, you go look at the numbers on Tomlin. Um, and you're looking at 163 wins against just 93 losses. That's a winning percentage of 640, which is just astounding. Um, been to the playoffs, uh, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, but has not won a playoff game since 2016. I mean, you know where I'm going here, right? Um, this guy's a great coach. Uh, but we just had Howard Eskin on a little while ago, and he was hearkening back to the Andy Reid days. Um, and, and he made the comment, the Andy Reid days in Philadelphia, and, and his opinion was, hey, look, you know, sooner or later, the, the run is going to come to an end for multiple reasons. Where, where, where are the fans? Where, where are the Steelers? Uh, with Mike Tomlin right now. Uh, 
doesn't seem like he's really well liked here because of the playoff thing. Uh, he didn't win with Ben and AB and Le'Veon Bell. I, I like in this situation that he just went through 10 years of uh, what Don Shula went through with Dan Marino's last 10 years. Marino was veteran, good enough, great enough to get them over 500 and keep them out of top 10 draft picks every year while they were rebuilding. That was a great defense of the aughts. Let's call it the aughts. Oh, oh, five champions, oh, eight champions, and uh, 10, they were in the Super Bowl in 2010. That defense needed totally rebuilt, and the offensive line needed rebuilt. Then they got the skill players in, and just because those skill players put up great stats didn't mean they had any cornerbacks not named Josh Valentine and uh, Artie Burns. And, you know, they just – average draft pick was 24. And, and Ben, I give a lot of that record. I, I love Tomlin as a coach. But I give a lot of that record to Ben Roethlisberger. Get him over 500. Good enough to get over 500. Good enough quarterback to get over a hump. But you needed one or two years of top 10 drafting. Uh, you know, look what the Bengals got when they drafted number one. They got a quarterback that's going to – he's going to – we're going to be talking about him uh, like Marino and Ben uh, someday. So that's my situation. I, they just were never – good enough to get over the hump, even though they had a great coach and a great quarterback. And so I just look at the Dan Marino effect with Shula too. Shula couldn't win with Dan Marino because he just couldn't get those high draft picks. You know, it's that's, so that's interesting. You I know, but it's really interesting you bring that up because there is a price to be paid. And look, the NFL sets it up this way, right? Um, there's a price to be paid for winning and winning and winning and winning. And you talked about Omar Khan and being a wizard uh, with numbers and Howie Roseman is very similar in Philadelphia about, you know, bringing in veteran guys and, and taking chances on guys, kind of like Omar's doing with the Steelers. You got to get very, very creative because you're not going to build Super Bowl champions on the 23rd, 24th, 28th, 30th picks for five, six, seven, eight, nine years in a row. Well, the other thing, Tom, is um... – quarterback salary when you have one of those franchise guys and even though ben was very very good i don't know that he was as elite as some of the young quarterbacks coming up with with you know spring in their step but he was getting paid an elite, elite level out of loyalty a lot of it was loyalty and a lot of it was intelligence i mean you have to have a quarterback but man that chews up your salary cap and the Bengals are going to find out about that. I, I don't know how, how their stadium helps them financially, probably well enough. It's a not great stadium. But uh, I, and, and you you would know better that I'm just going on stereotype. The Bengals have a reputation for being cheap. So it's going to be something when you have to see really good players leave because your quarterback's making so much money and you're not getting high draft picks. So it's a tough situation. It's a tough yeah. situation. Yeah. Well, Jim, we cannot thank you enough for your time, uh, graciously so, very, very much. And uh, let's stay in contact. We'll see what happens uh, moving forward. We'd love to have you back once the season kicks off and the Bengalis and the Steelers get together a couple of times. Well, that'd be awesome, Tom. Thank you so much. And just the, you, you mentioned Ohio University. I just swatched, swipped out of my Ohio U T-shirt. My daughter went there. She was an all-Mac goalkeeper last two years. So In soccer? Uh, I'm very proud of her. Yeah, soccer. Was two she really? Congratulations. Ago, all, all Mac, thank you. And uh, last year they lost to Miami, Ohio in the playoffs 
one to nothing, and that ended her career. And I was really proud of her. So I had the Ohio U shirt on, but I just looked too sloppy in it. It's a T-shirt. No, Jim, Jim, on this show, you can wear anything Ohio University. It can have holes in it. It makes no (laughs) difference whatsoever. I'm just disappointed you had to bring up her career ending against Miami of Ohio. That might be the only thing Miami has ever beaten Ohio University in is one game, (laughs) one to nothing. Congratulations to your daughter. It was a great game. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate being on your show. All right, Jim. Thank you so much. Jim Wexel, very kind enough. Now, 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 see, there's a guy who's a smart guy, obviously, because he raises a kid to go be a star athlete at The Ohio University, choosing OU over your, plural, Miami (laughs) Redhawks. See, I can't badmouth. I'm in a tough spot here. (laughs) Because we, as a company at Chatterbox Sports, of which I am gratefully employed, um, are broadcasting, and you guys are there for them. You're broadcasting the games, both uh, baseball, Miami baseball, and um, uh, women's softball there, outstanding program Mm -hmm. uh, up in Oxford. Uh, But look, so... Call me CM. You know what CM stands for? It's a company man, Tom. That's exactly right. Because I can't tell you how hard it is for me not to just take, not a, not a, not a body blow, a headshot when it comes to the opportunity presenting itself about Miami Redhawks, anything. See, here's the thing about the, the Miami OU rivalry, Tom, is for the longest time before I started broadcasting the games i thought that miami's biggest rival was ohio university that's not the case miami OU's just a team in the conference oh yeah they're right they get their tails kicked by every time they play them and everything but go ahead please they're their rival because they haven't reached that level is the reason a rivalry has to have one team win every now and again hey so go ahead i don't mean to interrupt (laughs) you forgive me um, the, the real rivalry for Miami is the University of Cincinnati. For some reason, it, it's what I'm telling you when I go up there in what every, exactly. everything they do is in spite of the Bearcats. They Are say you being serious about this. I'm being a hundred percent serious. What every, they compare the themselves to the Bearcats in every facet. What name me one sport besides women's basket. I mean, besides uh, women's softball. Mm-hmm. Name me one sport. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm sure there are some. I mean, it might be women or men's soccer or something like that, right? Right. But, but I mean. The big three. How in the world? How in the world would you compare yourself to the University of Cincinnati? Hey, when you, when you have the cradle of coaches like Miami has, oh my you just, God. it's just lofty expectations, Tom. Cradle of coaches. I give it up to them for that. I totally give it up to them. They've had what? Woody, Bo, Bo, Harbaugh, McVeigh, McVeigh, McVeigh Walter, and there, and there are others. There have been a lot of guys that maybe didn't reach the level of those guys, but a lot of great football coaches have passed through there. I love the guy they got there now. Baseball coach Walt, Walter Smokey Aston, right? Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame manager. He's from Miami. You mean Walter Alston? Alston, my bad. His friends call him Aston. <laughs> He's from right down the road here. Yeah. Yeah. 
great manager. Was there for a long time with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He was the predecessor of uh, Tommy Lasorda. You know, it just made me think of something. If there is one person, and I've got his jersey right right over here. I don't know if our camera is. Hold on. I can can cut to. Okay. Hold on. This is going to take some work here. I can do it. Let's see if we can get this. (laughs) It's really challenging. All right. Let's see if. uh, Hold on. Hold on. Let's do this in real time. Hold on. I'm going to do this in real time. All right. See the mess in our office. There's there's the game. Wrong camera. Hold on. Let's go to this camera. All right. Okay, so pan left. There we see. Okay, there is the the Dodger jersey over there. That is Tommy Lasorda's jersey. And on it, it says, To Tom, you are the greatest. Tom Lasorda, Hall of Fame, uh, the date that he went in. And it it just made me think when we brought up – well, there it is right there. Um, It it made me think – and I'm I'm not a – the only reason that that jersey is framed is because uh, Trace here at Chatterbox and Sean and Mm – Reed and everybody else, uh, they came out to my house and started hunting around for a bunch of stuff that, you know, it's kind of accumulated, for lack of a better word, through the years of my, you know, bouncing here and there or whatever it might be. And, um, I mean, it, it was sitting down in a basement just gathering dust in some box, that jersey, uh, along with that Diamondbacks jersey up there from when uh, we won the World Series and all that kind of stuff. And, then, you know, there's some other stuff that's in here uh, or will be in here soon. And, um, but, uh, you know, I mean, all that stuff is, it means it's nice. I I don't want to, I don't want to say it's not nice. It's nice to have, and you're grateful to have it and being a part of those things. But to me, they they really don't mean much. So they were in in boxes in the basement and Trace and I are digging, Sean digging through stuff. And, oh, wow, look at this, look at this. But it made me think there, if there is one person that I could have on this show that in my entire sporting life have had the chance to be around if i could pick one guy to come on that show the overwhelming slam dunk would be tommy lasorda r.i.p he was he was unbelievable to be around now there were people that did not like him um you know that that thought he was a show-off that thought he was all of these kinds of things and make no mistake about it, he loved being the center of attention. But I want to tell you, I, I mean, I would, I would get so excited for four or five days ahead of time, knowing we were going to L.A. or knowing we uh, were going to have the Dodgers come to whatever team I was announcing for, the Cubs, the Diamondbacks, the Reds, just so I could go down to his office and just be in there when he was in there with the media. Because the show that he would put on, and for those guys that had to cover the team daily, I'm sure they were just like, good Lord, I just want to know about Kirk Gibson. Is he going to be all right? But Tommy would be going into, you know, all his stories about his grave and on his gravestone and buried a Dodger and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, and some of the post games, and you have to go on. We can run them on this show. Well, one of these days we're going to put together off YouTube Right, because they're all on there. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Kurt Bavakwa thing. Yeah, yeah. Can we pull this up, Tommy Lasorda on Kurt Bavakwa? And we're going to give ahead of time, if we can pull this up and run this. We're going to give ahead of time. If anybody's offended by, by colorful language, okay, or expletives, then just step away from the show for a minute, okay? 
But 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 when we get to this, if you just look up Tommy Lasorda on YouTube uh, on Kurt Bavakwa. I got it right okay. here. So before we started, listen, I want you to think for a second. Could you hear any manager ever, ever, ever having press conferences after a game like you're about to hear? I mean, think of David Bell. Right, and everybody has their own personalities, and, and God bless everybody in, 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 in whatever case may be. But, I mean, when you listen to David Bell's press conferences after the game, you will go to sleep quickly. Now, if you are interviewing Tommy Lasorda after the game, are we ready? We got it. All right, now again. If you don't like the language, okay, this is about a minute and a half. You step away, but this was after the Dodgers had played a game against the Padres. Kurt Bavakwa becomes the name uh, presented to one Tommy Lasorda. Have at it. think about it I think that is very very bad for that man to make an accusation like that that is terrible I have never ever since I've managed ever told a pitcher to throw at anybody nor will I ever and if I ever did I certainly wouldn't make him throw at a fucking 130 hitter like Lafay or fucking Bavakwa, who couldn't hit water if he fell out of a fucking boat. And I guarantee you this, when I pitched, and I was going to pitch against a fucking team that had guys on it like Bavakwa, I sent a fucking limousine to get the cocksucker to make sure he was in the motherfucking lineup because I kicked that cocksucker's ass any fucking day in a week. He's a fucking motherfucking big mouth, I'll tell you that. Now, I had forgotten about a couple of those words in there, so I'm sorry. I knew we had some F-bombs. I didn't know we had CS coming down the road there. But, I mean, is that not That's unbelievable? Awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. That is just a West Sider, right? I mean, no, no, no. This wasn't your West Side guy. This was, that's awesome. But being Lasorda. Lasorda's from the West Side, isn't he? No, 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 no. Lasorda's a Pennsylvania guy, oh. I think. But, uh, oh, my God. Can you imagine sitting in there and you just say to the skipper, but you knew that's the thing about Lasorda. When he got with the media, you knew, you knew that if you were going to ask him any question and it could do on any topic, that there was a chance that in, you know, if he's in a certain kind of a mood or whatever it might be, I mean, off it would go. Bavakwa, if I were pitching against Bavakwa, 
I'd send the effing limousine over there to pick him up, make sure he's in the lineup. Could you imagine David Bell saying that about fill in the blank? Right? It's incredible. The, the other one I want to get to, and let's run it. Let's go ahead and run it. Look it up. Look up Lee Elia. Now, this is considered L-E-E and then Elia. E-L-I-A. Okay, now, I want to give some background on this one. This is probably the greatest meltdown by a manager that there has ever been in a post-game press conference. The, the description of the YouTube video says the only, the only sentence is, the language is a little salty. It's a little salty. Okay, now look, again, I, I, I'm not being a proponent here um, of, of, of this kind of language. I'm guilty of using it from time to time. This is a three-minute video. Yes, I mean, now, let me give you the background, okay? Okay. Pre-lights at Wrigley, okay? This is in the early 80s. Pre-lights at Wrigley. And a lot of people think, and I've talked about this on the show before, a lot of people believe that the Cubs have sold out every game forever. Well, they haven't. They haven't. It's just simply not true. In fact, they haven't sold out every game over the last, call it, 20 years. Okay? Uh, or had big crowds. Um, they had terrible teams. I mean, you go back, they made a World Series appearance in 1945. They did not make another one until 2016, okay? They did not make the playoffs from 1945 until 1984. They went 40 years. And in those 40 years, there were only a couple of teams, despite having some great stars of the game, Hall of Famers in the 60s, Abron Santo and Ernie Banks and Billy Williams and Ferguson Jenkins, okay? They never made the playoffs one time. 69 is a season that most Cub fans old enough is kind of like before they won it all in 16, that it, it was like the year that could have been, they collapsed near the end, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so now post all of those guys, you fast forward through the 70s, they stink. And nobody's coming to the game. I mean, they stink year after year after year. Okay, now you get to Lee Elia managing the Chicago Cubs, okay? Now, um, they lose after a game. And in the press game, <laughs> this is so good. Have you heard this, Paul? I have not. This is unbelievable. Have you heard it? I have not. I'm reading it as, <laughs> as I'm going through it. He's got the transcript. I got, I got the transcript. <laughs> And we're, we're I don't be, even want to read the rest. I want to. We're be gonna surprised. be pushing the ratings. <laughs> <laughs> we are not sponsored by the FCC. It's okay. Let's rock and roll, Tom. All right, all right. So, um, all right. Now, again, I'm, I'm apologizing, okay, for the language, but this is the stuff in sports that you really, you, you, you do miss it because we become a society that you just can't say anything anymore without suspicion. Now, this isn't going down the road of anything. I can't remember word no, for word. No, I, I think you're okay. Because we're not getting into uh, – this had nothing to do racially or anything like that, right? I'm not reading any racial no, stuff. No, I don't think no. there is. Okay. Okay. There's a couple or, CSs. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. A couple of CSs ahead of time. Um, this is good stuff. A lot of Fs. A couple of CSs. This is so good. You can't. All right. This is Lee Elia, manager of the Chicago Cubs. Hit it. I'll tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit just to stuff it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day. Because if they're the real Chicago fucking fans, they can kiss my fucking ass right downtown and print it. They're really, really behind you around here. My fucking ass. What the, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Go out there and let my fucking players get destroyed every day and be quiet about it for the fucking nickel-dime people to show up? The motherfuckers don't even work. That's why they're out at the fucking game. They want to go out and get a fucking job and find out what it's like to go out there and earn a fucking living. 85% of the fucking world's working. The other 15 come out here. The fucking playground for the cocksuckers. <laughs> Rip them motherfuckers! Rip them cocksuckers like the fucking players! Got guys busting their fucking ass and them fucking people boo! And that's the Cubs? My fucking ass! They talk about the great fucking support that the players get around here. I haven't seen it this fucking year. The name of the game is hit the ball, catch the ball, and get the fucking job done. Right now, we have more losses than we have wins. The fucking changes that have happened in the Cub organization are multifold. All right, they don't show because we're 5 and 14. And unfortunately, that's the criteria of them dumb 15 motherfucking percent that come out to date baseball. The other 85% are earning a living. It'll take more than a 5 and 13 or 5 and 14 to destroy the makeup of this club. I'll guarantee you that. There's some fucking pros out there that want to fucking play this game. But you're stuck in a fucking stigma of the fucking Dodgers and the Phillies and the Cardinals and all that cheap shit. All these motherfucking editorials about say and fucking uh, the Phillyitis and all that shit. It's, it's sickening. It's unbelievable. It really is. It's a disheartening fucking situation we're in right now. 5 and 14 doesn't negate all that work. You've got 143 fucking games left. What I'm trying to say is don't rip them fucking guys out there. Rip me. If you want to rip somebody, rip my fucking ass. But don't rip them fucking guys because they're giving everything they can give. But once we hit that fucking groove, it'll flow. And it will flow. The talent's there. I don't know how to make it any clearer to you. I'm frustrated. I'll guarantee you I'm frustrated. It'd be different if I walked in this room every day at 8.30 and saw a bunch of guys that didn't give a shit. They give a shit. And it's a tough National League East. It's a tough National League, period. The best line there. What well, is- the best line by far, you tell me what you think it is, All but right. the one that most people, when they bring this up, was a very short sentence. Yeah. What do you think? You, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You were getting ready to say it. I, I was about to say 85% of the fucking world is working. <laughs> the other 15% come out here. <laughs> yeah. The one most say is, 
it's a playground for these blankety blanks. In the transcription that I'm reading online, someone commented, this is the top comment, they said, they should set that entire speech in bronze and put it outside Wrigley Field. School children should be forced to learn it and recite it like the Pledge of Allegiance. (laughs) Oh, man. I'll tell you what, Tom. Our chat has united over two common enemies, and that was the Steelers earlier. We had the Steelers guy. Yes. Every, everyone was just like, the Steelers stink, Steelers stink. And then you, we play this speech, and now everyone is just uniting over how badly the Cubs stink. So we've united the chat twice with, today with a common enemy. And, you know, this is uh, – I don't know, Tom, if you saw, but way back in the chat – uh, probably about a half hour ago, Sir Boy Wonder's mom, Heather Heather Heights. Yeah, what is this all about? I, I I mean, I was kind of blasting through it, and we've had a couple of guests on. So give me the background. Here. Yeah, so Sir Boy Wonder's mom is watching the show today and says, so the first time I tune in, I'm exposed to an all-inclusive Pennsylvania episode. As someone forced to live among the Inzers, I assure you, there is no, quote, <laughs> pursuit of happiness here. <laughs> Inzers are it's a it's a Pittsburgh dialect um, kind of thing, um, and it's great to have Sir Boy Wonder's mom in here. Mm-hmm. Sir Boy Wonder, as we mentioned, is in Pittsburgh for that series this week. Nick Kirby's up there. Yeah, yeah. I think he said he went with his dad. Yep, yep. That is very very nice. Got to go in the broadcast booth. Saw Kirby put a picture up of that yesterday. That was cool. Yeah. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah, it was with Sadak and Chris Walsh yesterday. No kidding. Yeah. Very, very nice. I'm sure Chris got him up there. That was very, very nice. Uh, I guess we have some uh, breaking news here in the NFL. Oh. Four Lions players, Detroit Lions, including former first-round draft pick Jamison Williams. This is a big story have been suspended for violating the NFL's gambling policy. Oh, no. Following an investigation by the league. So you have, I'm not sure how you pronounce his first name, wide receiver, uh, Quintez, is it Cephas? Cephas. Uh, Safety C.J. Moore have been suspended indefinitely for betting on NFL games. As was Washington Commanders defensive end, Shaka Tony. Now, they can reapply for reinstatement after one year. The Lions have announced that their two players, second-year wide receiver Jamison Williams, as I mentioned, and Stanley Berryhill. So they're getting released. Suspended for six games each for mobile betting. That occurred at the Lions Allen Park facility. That's where they have their practices every day in their indoor facility and all that kind of thing. Those two guys, it should be noted, Williams and Berryhill, did not bet on NFL games. Are you allowed to bet on sports in general? Or are you just you know what? I don't think you are. As 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 a player in the National Football League, I think that's what we're getting. Um, about Williams and Berryhill, they must have been betting on something else. You, I, they're they're setting a precedent, right? Because now that all these leagues are getting in bed with, with all these sports gamblings, all these sports books and everything like that, they have to set a precedent. Say that if you do break the rules here, you are going to get hit seriously with suspension. We, we take this very seriously because the, if you don't set the precedent, 
then you open up the door for for some bad things to happen in your sport. Here's a quote from Lions general manager Brad Holmes. Uh, he says, as a result of an NFL investigation, it came to our attention that a few of our players had violated the league's gambling policy. These players exhibited decision-making that is not inconsistent, that is not consistent with our organizational values and violates league rules. We have made the decision to part ways with Quintez and CJ immediately. We're disappointed by the decision-making demonstrated by Stanley and Jamison. Those are the two that... Um, um, are, are released by the team. We'll work with both of those guys, just like any employer would. I mean, whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever it might be, uh, in gambling, the employer here is going to, um, uh, you know, work with both players to ensure they understand the severity of these violations and clarity on the league rules. I want to make sure that I read that right, though. Yeah, the Lions announced that their two players would be released even though they'll be facing only six-game punishments. All right, let's start with that, if I read that correctly. Now, it was only a year ago this week that the Lions traded up to get Jamison Williams. And, I mean, this guy is a talented dude, man. Talented dude. He's been working out all summer long after, you know, okay, rookie year, nothing much. But he's been working out all winter with uh, Jared Goff out in California, trying to get ready. Uh, both Williams and Barry Hill. Um, uh, th there's an inconsistency in this article. Because it's saying here that Williams and Barry Hill can participate in organized team activities. So this was written poorly uh, by Eric Woodyard. Because he said they can apply... Oh, okay, I misread it. He, he, they release the two players that are suspended indefinitely. The other two are, uh, are going to stay with the team. They'll just be suspended um, for the first six weeks of the season. So clearly, uh, the Lions, by the way, in this article apparently, um, we do know that NFL players and NFL personnel, meaning people who work in the office, you can be uh, in marketing, you can be in accounting, you can be in wherever. You cannot bet on NFL games, the draft, or any league-related activities under any circumstances. They also cannot place any bets while at the team facilities. So say you're making a, a bet working in the accounting office, you want to bet on the Pistons. You better get off property to do it. You can't bet while you're in the team facility or if you're on a team trip traveling. Um, this is going to become, in my opinion, we talk a lot about gambling on the show. Gambling has become a huge part of uh, media sponsorship, including this show with Betfred, become a, an enormous part of the National Football League making tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in sponsorship agreements, whether it be local teams, Bengals side with Betfred, uh, or whether it be nationally in terms of advertising. Okay, so the league is okay with having a gambling site and a gambling venue inside of their stadiums 
right? As a fan, you can walk in and make a, make a bet at a Reds game, right? I think they're with MGM, whoever it is. Yep. You'll be able to walk into a Bengals game in a bet Fred area mm-hmm. and make a sport. I mean, make a bet. The team is cashing checks for tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars on an annual basis. But if you're the guy working down in accounting, sitting in his office at Paycor Stadium, you can't make a bet on an NFL game? Uh, Paul? That's a good question. Are the teams not in bed? Are the teams not directly in bed with gambling? Of course they are. I mean, they are deep under the covers. Sheet, second blanket, third blanket, comforter, you name it. Right. Your binky, they got it all in there because they're in bed with the gambling companies. Now, I'm not talking about the players here. That's a different ballgame. But I'm saying, you mean to tell me that any team in the NFL, in this case the Bengals, can walk up to a, a pay window after getting that check from Betfred Stick that thing in their account. And some guy making 35 grand a year sitting down wants to bet on the Steelers and the Dolphins on a Monday night without getting fired. They fired a bunch of personnel inside the Lions organization. Many staff members in various departments were dismissed last month. This is a joke. In my opinion, you guys agree or disagree? It does seem like you get to a point now where gambling is so pre- prevalent everywhere that I know they have to set a precedent because they don't want this thing to break out. They don't want this to get to a situation where it's compromising the integrity of the games or whatever. But it, this has got to be happening all over the place that they keep trying to use everybody as an example. They, you know, Calvin Ridley last year, they try to use an example. He gets suspended for an entire year. And I would—I can't remember. Was he betting on football? He was. He, he was. He injured. was betting on football he while he was hurt. Yep, he but was not hurt. his own team. I don't know. I don't. Okay. Remember. I don't know either. All right. Go ahead. Read your take. I. I, I know I'm going to make a, a strong comparison or a weird comparison here, but if you're working inside the building, is it too different than say insider trading? To where if you're sitting in a sitting in a company and you you know some some numbers you can't outwardly trade with your company. So I think that that is maybe the the route that they're going is hey, I know that Joe Burrow's working on a, a knee injury that it hasn't been reported yet. So maybe I'll take whoever the Bengals are playing this weekend. And you, you kind of get this insider trading thing happening. And maybe that's what they're trying to stifle. Because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, like you said, Tom, to where if they're allowing spectators to come in Paycor Stadium and make bets, why wouldn't just the, the person working at the ticket office, working in the ticket window, make these bets, except for maybe just trying to keep the game a little more a little more integrity in the game? Yeah, it's like, it's like I have to sign an agreement every August, I think, when I, when I work the first – Xavier game of that academic year. So the first, it's usually the first soccer game. I have to sign a thing that says I won't bet on any Xavier related 
sports activities for that whole year. Right. Men's basketball doesn't matter. Baseball now has lines. College baseball has lines. So college baseball, basketball, women's basketball, whatever, I, I can't bet on any of that. Now, I don't know what my punishment would be as an employee and not a player. I don't know what would happen to me if I did that, but I know that that is a thing that they put in place because, I mean, you never know. Like, I'm, I'm hosting the games. I walk back into the locker room, and, you know, somebody got hurt in the first yep. half, and, well, I see that they're not coming well, out. Well, that I understand. And, you know, so that's a little but, – but you're talking more about – Just the employee. The employee Well, I mean, look, I think, Reed, you bring up a great point. It does give me pause uh, to take pause because I think that that is a, a fantastic point and an analogy about insider trading – uh, at some, you know, stock firm, right? Right. Uh, you know, and and I, I think there's something to be said for that. Um, but put it this way. The employee, if, if, I mean, I, I guess I would make a separation. And tell me if you guys agree with this. I'd make a separation where if an employee in accounting or marketing was gambling on your own team that you work for, I right. get it. For the very reason you just pointed out, right? Right. Now, is it conceivable they overheard somebody in the hallway? You know, the way these these organizations are oftentimes set up, the Bengals are a little bit different than most others because, well, they're they're extraordinarily different than most others because every other team um, has a separate building. Let's take the uh, let's take the. Um, Lions, as an example, okay, or Minnesota, okay, you know, Minnesota built this beautiful, um, like three building, um, three structures. One is devoted strictly to the business side of the Vikings. The other is devoted strictly to the football side of the Vikings, and the rare, it's rare the two would ever cross. So is it conceivable, say, in the Bengals' office, which is a little bit different setup, even though the players and football people are down, the coaching staff, down on the ground level where the locker room is at, at, at Paycor. Now, Duke Tobin and some of those guys are upstairs where Katie Blackburn, Troy Blackburn, Mike Brown, they have their offices, et cetera, et cetera. So it's conceivable that a scout could walk down the hall, be talking to somebody else about, say, the Ravens and Steelers playing on a Monday night, the person in accounting overhears the conversation and, um, you know, uh, one of the scouts says, yeah, uh, a buddy of mine in Pittsburgh told me that they're without Ben Roethlisberger tonight. Well, I mean, everybody would know that if it was Ben, but, but that he's really hurting. It's going to be tough for him to play well. Okay, well, that's inside information in essence. And, you know, you go to make the bet. But it seems to me, why can you, why, why can you suspend six players? I mean, two players for six weeks. Why do they only get six weeks and the guy in accounting and the guy in whatever in the Lions, they're gone, permanently gone. Because one guy can run a 4-240? Is that the reason? I, I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess the what you could make is that that person can now go out and get another job, right? If you, get, if you lose your job with the Lions, you can go out and work somewhere else. These players that are getting suspended don't have that liberty, right? Now they're not allowed playing in the league for a year. They're not allowed making money. I mean, they can go get a job somewhere else as well, but yeah. they, can't, they can't do what they are skilled to do, which is play football 
for six six games for some and over a year because some of them were suspended indefinitely, which means at least a year is what I've what I've read. Per Ian Rappaport, they bet on non-NFL games in an NFL building. And they're fired permanently. Or are you talking about the players? Those are the players. Those were the, I, that's literally just what I said. Well, yeah, it chat. has to be non-NFL games or they would have been suspended for a year, as the other three were who did bet on NFL games. Right. Um, it, it seems, Tom, to me, like with all this stuff, where we're, we're treading new water, right, with sports and gambling coming together yep. and say, let's do this together. They've got to draw lines, right? They've got to say, this is good, this is bad. This is good, this is bad. And we won't have a full-fledged-out system to determine what is what is right and what is wrong, what is okay and what is not okay for years to come. And even in years down the road, it still won't be a perfect system because nothing is perfect. So there will be discrepancy on what seems fair and what doesn't seem fair. And as we tread the waters of gambling and sports coming together – we will determine as you know the nfl will and you know the public opinion will say that seems fair that doesn't seem fair and i'm on your side it doesn't it doesn't seem right that a person loses their job for doing something that everyone else in their state can do but i think you bring up a good point you know you're going to have to and, and look very few people in life even though as a society you know we don't want black and white anymore we want you know all this gray area um, and, and half the time, it's like you're trying to discipline your kids. You give them all this gray area, you'll be walking around in nothing but gray area their whole lives, right? I mean, there's a line, and if you cross that line, this is a punishment, and that's a deal. Nobody needs to raise their voices. Nobody needs to get mad. So you like having clarity. And if you're, you know, look, if you're the National Football League, you want clarity here, okay? And their clarity is laid it out there and every employee in the organization, whether it be a player or the person in marketing or accounting or whatever it might be, they know the drill and they know the deal. If you bet on anything, okay, that relates to football, NFL, you're done, period, game over, suspended for a year. If you're betting on any other sport while you're in the team's facility or at your place of employment okay there will be repercussions for two of these players six week suspension bet on something else not football not the nfl for the employees they bet on something else we assume besides football uh, or maybe it is football it doesn't say but they're gone for good uh, Calvin Ridley, by the way, did bet on the NFL. And in fact, when he was hurt, he bet on the Falcons games. Oh, he did. Okay. So he got fined $11 million and suspended for an entire year. He had to forfeit his salary of $11 million and was suspended indefinitely. And that meant all of um, last year. And eventually, now he's with the... Um, Jacksonville Jaguars. I would look for him to come back and have a big year. I think he's a player to watch in the NFL because that's a talented dude. Tom, a couple more things before we get out of here. Yes, please. Um, the, the, the chat is very concerned. About? And I'm going to do this live. About, over here, let's go over here, 
The amount of hangers that are hanging up here. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me so too. I, I just got a I'm question. I'm going to throw them all the way today. I just got a question, Tom. Yeah. So let, let me start with How many questions. hangers do you have at your house? <laughs> and where do all these well, come from? I throw them straight in the garbage. Okay. So these. Well, which, by the way, before you go any further, let me ask you a question here, okay? Okay. Because my wife and I debate this, and we'll talk about it for like two minutes, and then we'll forget about it. Nobody goes to look it up. Okay. When you put out your, your, your garbage, and you got the regular garbage, and you got the recycled garbage, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Don't the metal hangers, I'm not talking about the ones with, you know, I'm not talking about the plastic. Well, yeah, it's the plastic ones too. Don't, can't the metal hangers go and recycle? And if so, why, I mean, if they can't, why not? Yeah, you think you could just melt it down and, and re, reuse them as something else? Well, I mean, every other metal known to man will recycling, right? Right. You, you know the answer to that question? I have no idea. A lot of help you. You guys are like my wife. I worked for, um, well, my buddy actually worked for Fairfield City doing uh, trash duty, quite honestly. And he said that they dump the trash and the recycling in the same area. It just all goes together. And he's just like, I don't know if we were just bad at our job or, or if that's just what they do and they sort it out at, a, out at Rumpke and or there's no recycling actually going on. It's just a scam. I don't know. They're all over me about using wire hangers. Uh, apparently they want me using, you know, the elitist Paul, the East Coast elitist kind of uh, school of hangers. Uh, you know, have that whole closet where all of them are the white plastic rides. Now, what, what were you going to ask me about this? I mean, I will throw away all of these today. It doesn't. No, 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 no. They're I, fine. I want to. It looks there. terrible. It looks terrible. The chat, really, honestly, the only thing that, that I was bringing it up is because the chat usually likes them over there. Because when you leave for the ham and eggers segment, they kind of bang against the door and it's become like a running joke in the chat. Really? So now in the last couple of weeks, you've started hanging them up over here instead of over there. And they're gone. So people just wanted a state of the union on the hangers, and I gave it to them. My wife is in the chat for the first time ever. Is this she is, really? This, is not, is, this is not good. This has been a separation of, of church and state for the longest time. Where is she? Wait, uh, what? Mariana Gordon in well, the chat. Oh, now I see her. Okay. Yeah, up at the top there. Said, Tom, can you, read, can you teach Reed a thing or two about hanging his clothes up, as you can tell? Well, I got to tell you one thing, and you get into the whole debate. And it's funny. Uh, Mariana, thank you, because – this is a topic we're going to save to next week. But last night, Luke is now going through the whole thing about um, trying to find a college roommate. Okay? In oh. the day and age now, you know, when all of us were around, you just got, well, I'm not going to say you guys. But for me, you, you just showed up wherever you went to school. And there are your roommates at. Mm -hmm. Right? That's who it is. You didn't know his name. Nothing. Nothing about it. Now, social media it's, it's a deal where everybody can get on the same website and you can start checking out other people that are potential roommates, right? Right, right. So he's walking through this whole thing and we're talking about it last night at dinner. Uh, my wife, Polly, and me and Luke. And, and I click on the internet because I was curious. Questions to ask a potential college roommate. And, and, and really, there, there's a list. It's pretty much a standard 30 to 32 questions. Now, some of them more important than others. But I found one of the most interesting ones, two most interesting ones. You an early morning riser or are you a night owl? Right? That's a fair question. It's a very good question. That's a good question. Okay. Number two, do you hang up your clothes and pick up your clothes? And, and, you know, are, do you like keeping things neat? 
Or, you know, is your room, and only a lot of guys, especially guys, right? You know, the rooms, it, it looks like a tornado blew through there, right? Right. So now that you just bring that up and your wife actually brings it up, are, are you not a, like, hang your stuff up, pick your stuff up kind of guy? Tom? Uh-oh. I don't know if you could tell just by, by looking at me or being around me enough. I'm not a very clean person by, by any stretch of the imagination. And Mariana, it is, it is a major point of contention in the marriage because she likes things prim and proper. And I very much bring down the, the cleanliness of our, of our humble abode. So that has been a point of contention for without a doubt. I do not hang clothes up until she pet pesters me about six times she said reed we please hang up the clothes yeah i'll do it tonight i don't do it reed we hang up the clothes yeah i'll do it tonight i don't do it eventually it turns into like reed i've asked you like six times can you please hang well, up the clothes? well that's like, a story of life that. that's a story of life. paul are you a pick it up clean it up kind of guy or just shit laying all over the place and what no no i i i pick it up and uh yeah, things things are neat and tidy in my. I I was trained from a, a very young age that things were, things were neat and tidy and everything in the room. So I got I got a little bit. I got I got some freedom in college. The room got a little messy, but now that uh, we're getting a little older and back on track with things. Before we go, what is Reed Gordon? What is this? My my wife's maiden name is Gordon, and her chat name is Mariana Gordon. She recently changed officially changed her name to Mariana Mouse, but here on YouTube it's still. Mariana Gordon. So everyone has been teasing me, I guess, by now I'm Reed Gordon in the chat because Well, so we have two nicknames. PLP, Big League Paul, Reed Gordon, and Reed Gordon. Okay. A couple things here because we're not doing box lunch today. So we have a couple of things uh if you can stick around for like 5 more minutes. Yeah, of course. Okay. So on Fridays, Tom, um we do on box lunch every Friday, we do the chat power rankings. We want you – we're not going to put you on the spot today. Reed has them today. We're going to flash them up on the screen. We want your take on them today. And maybe going forward, like in two weeks or so, we would like you to start doing the chat power rankings too. And you don't have to do them every week. Well, I'm interested to see what they are. But so we'll ahead. show you. We'll kind of show you. We'll kind of okay. show you. Right. So, so go ahead. So that's, so that, so that's one thing. Um, and then the other thing that we were going to bring up – oh, that I want to bring up about Luke's roommate. So – I had the option, I, Reed, I don't know how it worked with you with playing baseball, but I had the option to pick a roommate or to go random. And the only thing that I thought of when I was going through everything, because I had a few people reach out and like, you know, you had to like fill out a profile, stuff right. you were interested in. It's almost like a dating profile. Yeah, That's right. It's yeah, like stuff no that you're interested in, yep. you know. And so I had some people that I guess matched with me or whatever reached mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. And I read one thing, one place that said, go random, because if you end up not liking the person – you don't want to be the idiot that did it to yourself. And I thought to myself, okay. Okay. So I went random and we got along. I mean, I, I, he and I don't really keep up anymore. He, he, we just, we're different people, but we got along Enough, and yeah. it was fine. Like it, it was good. So, but I went random okay. and yeah, it was, it was a fine time. I mean, it's really cool to hear some of the guys and some of the stuff that goes on, you know, I mean, like, you know, I mean, you're getting guys that are coming to school the size of Indiana, you know, you know from East Coast, West Coast, right? You know, all this stuff. And and um, I tell you, boy, that social media makes it fascinating. It, it I mean, it's, it's just, it's so different. And a lot of good, 
some not so good, but a lot of good. Okay, what's the chat power rankings? Okay, so let, first that. first yeah. off here, I got to figure out if I can get the graphics up. There, there we go. There we go. All right. So we'll go ahead. So we taught you. We're going to do teaching Tom about what the shower pa chat power ranking. Good. Okay. I okay. Wait. Let me let me move the camera here because I'm gonna. Oh, I have a feeling you mean we're ranking individuals on here. Yes. Yes. So just, and their yeah. participation in yeah. the chat. Yeah. So okay. Top, All right. Top five of of our common chat people. Um, recent number ones. Well, we won't tell you who the most um, who has won it. I have personally won. The chat power rankings, because Tom, I just no one does it better than me in the chat. You so. jump in, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, you stir it up. There's no doubt. You're right there in the top five every every day. So it, it fluctuates based on performance for that week. Okay, here we go. Got to yeah. tell you though, number one, I'm vaulting all the way to number one and going with Mariana. Yeah. Oh, she's just jumping in uh, and pointing out that you're a slob. <laughs> to me, puts her immediately at number one. But I'm not the only one voting here. All right. So, speaking of the chat power rankings, number five, <laughs> speaking of women who have joined the chat today, what about Heather, mom of Boy Wonder? Wow. Coming in here, making the top five. She made her impression today. Fantastic. Welcome. Please come back. Oh, look. Heather, we love having you. Yeah, she was uh, downing the Pittsburgh Steelers, so we always appreciate that. Shout out to Mariana with uh, changing her name. And now we got Lizzie coming oh, in Oh, here. my God. Lizzie and we Mariana back-to-back. We, -back. we got the whole crew in the chat. We got today. Mrs. Mouse. We got the future Mrs. Fritchner on here. <laughs> Shout out to, to you, Lizzie. And then now we just need Miss Brenneman to come on the show sometime. Everybody. That will never happen. <laughs> she don't even know I'm doing this show. <laughs> I just leave every morning at about, you know, five till seven. All and, right. and, and all of a sudden she wakes up and I'm not there. <laughs> all right. Number four, new to the chat power rankings, is Ronnie Smith. Ronnie Smith hasn't been on the chat for a while. <laughs> okay. But I really like what he brings to the chat. He constantly is downing the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> and other Fan bases oh here God. against the, against the. See, I can't see those on here. That that's big time. I think Ronnie certainly has to be in the top five, and that's why I put that picture there. So I tried to cut to you. <laughs> it's just right over you. All right, go ahead. Okay, we're going to go to number three. Number three, and Tom, these pictures are just how I represent them because I can't get their actual YouTube picture i can't get to their uh channel and steal their picture so okay number three also new to the chat power rankings i thought he had a really good week is uh brian b yeah brian b is is really on top of it yep. he asks a lot of questions he keeps the chat moving yes he does he's not afraid to, to crack a joke here and there brian b had a very strong week so i i always appreciate he was the one that gave you the first nickname reed gordon today <laughs> well, all right, if I and he has a dog, so you know that that, that he's got to be a good dude. I have pictures of Beagle, so yeah. I appreciate Brian B because he's a big college basketball fan. So shout out Brian. He was he was always great during the college basketball season. I made these chat power rankings before he called me Reed Gordon, so he's gonna get knocked down a few a few pegs. Dude, you can't blame him for that. Your wife's the one to put it up there. It's not his fault. You're right. You're right. right. You're right. No, if she'd have had up Mariana Mouse, we wouldn't be having this conversation. That's true. All right. That's true. It's on her then. She That's dropped in the right. She changed it. She changed right. it to Mariana Mouse. So. All right. Where are you going, number two? Number two is is the compass of the chat. As always, Sir Boy Wonder. We would be nowhere without Sir Boy. His Sir Bombs and the Discord <laughs> keep us up 
up to date. His breaking news in the chat. He went out to PNC Park this week. Is that at PNC Park? Is that picture at PNC Park? I think yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. Yep. Yeah, look at him. So he went out there. He's visiting his family and just getting some red legs in. He travels well, Tom. Yes, he does. He always goes to Bengals games. He always goes to Reds games. We appreciate a good Cincinnati. Well, I think I, you know, I don't want to get into his personal stuff, but I mean, his 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 uh, occupation is in transportation. So he's a guy always on the move. Yep. Really? Yes. Okay. Tom, if you had to guess who number one in the chat power rankings is, this is a big big moment of the week. Well, I got to tell you, you know, for me, the person who, who who always tends to sort of bring it back a little bit, just when it's starting to fall off the edge, right? Mm-hmm. You know, is Everett. Everett oh, Everett. Everett. Now, Everett always brings it back in, you know, he and, and the USA veteran retired is another one. He will bring it back in. You know, he'll say things like, listen, I don't like the language. You know, he, your dad could rip cup vans and it would be without the language. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? And they're right. It could be. It could be. Now, Everett has a feud with, with your dad. They, they don't have a feud. They're, they're good. They're good. All right, who's number one? All right, number one, once again, at the top of the chat power rankings is the leader of men, Leif Erickson. I haven't even seen him on here today. He was there yesterday. Tom, he's a man of few words. He's a man of few words. Leif Erickson, he's, he's a Viking blood. He's, he's trying to become a moderator in the chat so he can ban people and not ban people. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Leif Erickson, he just, I think no one flocks to the chat, like gets other chat goers flocking to him quite like Leif Erickson. You know what? He's he's here regularly, although he has been in and out a lot for quite a while. Now, maybe we just need to get the uh, Minnesota Vikings back on the field, and he'll be checking back on a regular basis. That's true. As long as we keep Christopher Columbus, Marco Polo. Marco Polo oh, don't say Christopher Columbus's name. You get yourself in trouble. That's true. Yeah, don't do that. Maybe not. Maybe I don't not want to offend anybody. With the snowflakes, the woke crowd, cancel culture. Can't do that. See, I got my kind of guy in here now. Now you're in the minority. (laughs) It's the silent majority. (laughs) All right. On that note, we'll call it a day and call it a week. Paul, great job in there today. You delivered the goods. Thanks, Tom. I mean, once again, you delivered the goods. Reed, great having you back in with us. Tom's been a lot of fun. And a safe travel. Speaking of Indiana, that's where uh, Casey and Trace are. Bloomington. Uh, in Bloomington for the Little 500, which is the biggest single deal uh, at IU, uh, arguably in uh, the state of Indiana every single year. Is that Little 500, mm-hmm. uh, all the competition, bicycle race around a track. Um, tens of thousands show up. It's sold out. They have the women one day, the men the next. Did, they have to, did, did Trace ever say you talked to them today? They were talking about maybe having to move it back. They do the men's one day or the women's one day and the men's another day. I don't but know what weather might be a deal. I don't know what their plan is with the rain because it's supposed to rain all day. It rained. I, th- I think it's supposed to rain all day in Bloomington. Yeah. And that's supposed to come this way. Okay. We're going to get that rain. As well. All right. All right. Well, uh, gentlemen, thank you. All of you. Thank you so much for joining us. I uh, hope you have a wonderful weekend. Please be careful out there. God bless. And we'll look forward to seeing you on Monday. Be well.